So we're talking about scores. Um, yeah, and you, me- I'm, you I'm mentioned I'm only that- referring to the animated one, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, and you mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, Jason, whether this airs before or after, but our, on our episodes for the 11 to 20 rankings, you you brought up that Aladdin was like in the top 20 or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think, well, you you know that I love animated Disney movies, like particularly the really good ones. Uh, I mean, I would say, well, I could just tell you right now, I have, um, yeah, Aladdin is my favorite of all of them. And I love the score for that. But, um, I mean, I have the soundtrack for Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, um, Tarzan, a couple others on my phone. Like, I, you know, it's like not something I listen to all the time, but if I'm in the mood for it, you know, I mean, those are all really wonderful, wonderful scores. Um, Alan Menken did a lot of those. Uh, he's, um, he's really awesome. Well, the um, before we jump into like live action movies, uh, I, I will say because uh, I've watched a lot of animated movies in the last couple of years with the kids but during the pandemic, the original Jungle Book has oh yeah great music. Like, I've got music two or three there. songs from that one. Yeah, it's that stuff is super catchy. Like it's just really good stuff. The one um, um, "Be Like You" or something like that. It's, yeah, it's to King be like Louis, you. King Louis and the Bear and Baloo the Bear singing with each other. That one's excellent. Yeah, no, no, it's it's some really good vocals, vocalization, and the band that plays is just cool stuff. Like it's it's really nice when they bring like really true musicians that kind of like you know into the yeah, no, for sure. And nowadays they do it with Lin Manuel Miranda and other ones. They kind of bring sure. them in and, and like get them, um, you know. And and leading into live action, it is interesting how you know Paul Thomas Anderson brought Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead and. There's some other musicians that kind of like been brought on. Even Pink Floyd, I think back in the 60s or something, they did a score for like, uh, I don't know which movie it was, but uh, but yeah, some Italian movie or something. So there's a history of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but scores. Um, what are you guys' uh, thoughts about like, uh, you know, like stuff that just jumps at you as uh, all time great scores, favorites? Aside from Star Wars, the obvious. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say it's on the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, John Williams, obviously, most of his yeah. stuff. Yeah. Almost everything. Uh, the funny thing is, the last time I uh, I turned on uh, the film Glory, my dad was in the room and he was asking me what I was watching, and I said, oh, "I'm watching Glory." Oh, that's the movie with the great music. <laughs> yeah. I, it does I, have I, very good music. I, I uh, James Horner. May he rest in peace. That man uh, made some of the best music, as far as I'm concerned, in the history of cinema. Uh, obviously, Glory, Apollo 13, what, what, uh, The New World. Yeah. Yeah. He was all over the film industry until he, I think he died in a plane crash. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, at the age of 61 i mean the 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 guy it made some of the most iconic scores ever i i i all i'll always admire his contributions so yeah 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 well and there's definitely the um um inio morricone like the oh yeah the yeah. whole like bringing him like in the whole italian angle that was into westerns of all things and and then 
all the rest of the movies that he's done, uh, including uh, he did the score for um, Hateful Eight. I think it was one yeah, of his last did, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's almost easier, I guess, to talk composer. And, and the more modern sense, there's like Clint Munsell. I feel like, you know, that the, I was gonna bring the, him the, the inf- infamous um, fountain score. Lux that's Eterno, like, yeah. Also. yeah. Um, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, exactly. Like, Requiem for a Dream was really where he kind of like just um, like blew into the scene, I guess, as far yeah. as like creating a theme that was very memorable. Uh, for me, I was going to just mention that like I, I kind of almost like divide them up into two parts because um and it's hard for me to remember the second ones but um there's so many movies i think have great great music but it's um music that i would never really be listening to in my car you know i would never like go out of my way to listen to it it was just perfect for the movie like a lot of uh ones that jump into my mind are like the dark knight everyone talks about inception of course a lot but like you know those ones they're not really music music so much as it's like big sounds and stuff yeah well that's uh, it's funny because i was going to bring that hans zimmer has been a hollywood darling for a while and just won an oscar yeah and a second one and yeah i i used to have a a hate hate relationship with him yeah i I remember you talking about him a lot i I used to really dislike him and and it took a turn with the dark knight because it was really like a i felt like he was taking a turn and then you know man of steel um which will air before this <laughs> um I, we didn't talk about the score but that score was pretty good but yes you know nothing uh, i'm very sorry but like it's just and this is important to point out with john williams as much as star wars you know he gets credit for the superman score is mm. an all-time great theme like that theme is uh, is unmatched for me personally yeah. like it's it's just that's that kind of stuff is just divine but yeah you can't compare Hans Zimmer to someone like John Williams and and maybe that's something that could we could discuss is that I do feel like right. like you take the um like the Danny Elfman's the John Williams like the people who were like big in the 80s and 90s uh it, it does feel like there are big bombastic themes and and modern movies I feel like it's all about being maybe almost slightly invisible the music right. it's it doesn't have as Most much of, time, anyway. of a character and i wonder like if what's up with that like it's you do you don't have the Ennio Morricones and that just really oh what the fuck is that <laughs> like you know <laughs> why is there a guitar in a western you know like that kind of stuff like you there's the occasional you brought up the the theme for uh before we were recording the the uh theme for wonder woman Oh yes, yes. Yeah. So I wasn't sure who who did that. I guess it was first in. I don't know. Justice League? Oh no, Batman. Versus... No, it was in in Batman v Superman. Uh, actually, actually, if I I may interject briefly about Hans Zimmer, uh, the thing is, uh, the thing with Hans Zimmer is that I think his best stuff came in the nineties. I mean, like he made uh, uh, he did the uh, the score for. Um, uh, the Thin Red Line. He did the score for Gladiator. Well, that was 2000. Yeah. I mean, even his music for The Rock was yeah, pretty was damn good. Really good. good. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Backdraft, Crimson Tide. Oh, all I good. mean, all of those are really good scores that were actually kind of that 90s music where the the music was the was actually part of 
the character of the movie. Yeah. Uh, he Man, only I, those uh, movies though are not memorable to me for the music, not at oh, all. Not backdraft. Serious. That moment at the end. Spoiler <laughs> alert for everybody. But like, <laughs> where like he's been such a bad probie the whole time, and then like Kurt Russell's dying on that like catwalk and then like <laughs> he's like throws the fire extinguisher like a hand grenade and then grabs the thing super <laughs> melodramatically the hose and starts spraying all the fire down and the music's like Whoa! and then like the, the guys grab Kurt Russell and he's like look at him look at him that's my brother god damn it <laughs> It's like so fucking good. <laughs> the, music, the music for Backdraft is basically the tr- the the trailer music for every action movie for ten years after that movie came out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's got like this whole rhythmic thing. I gained some respect for him because I, I learned. Um, uh, and didn't mention it when we spoke about Man of Steel that for also, uh, uh, sorry also Hans ever did the music to the Lion King. It's fine. The, the, the original. I think the songs were better than the. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's like yeah, uh, but... it's Elton John, right? I mean, doing uh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. He, he just did the, the, the score. Yeah. But yeah, what were you going to say, Gil? Oh, I was going to say, like, I gained some respect to him, too. He's getting adventurous in, in his older age, so I'll give him that. Uh, he's um, for the Man of Steel. Uh, recordings he brought like all the best drummers in the world some of them are like you know like the drummer from tool from a perfect Mm. circle like from rock bands like known rock bands and and just kind of had him record like like you know like rhythmic percussion and he kind of mixed it all together to like have this you know this booming sound of drums so i was Mm. like ah that's cool that he did that so like it's nice that these very successful composers kind of say like what can i do differently so I, I've, I've gained respect for him over the years, but he is just very just rhythmic and not that interesting. Like the Dune theme was good. It was different. It was trying to do something different, but but not but not that much. Like it's yeah. uh, it's, it's not memorable, but but oh. maybe that's just like where we are now with movies. Maybe the themes are not supposed to be memorable. Matt mentioned Gladiator, and I was just going to, before we move on from Hans Zimmer, I was just going to say, um, e- even though I like both of them, I felt that Gladiator felt uh, sounded a little, well, uh, or whichever way you want to say this, uh, Gladiator and Black Hawk Down both were very good, but they both sounded a little too much like each other for being entirely different movies. Yeah, well, a lot of this stuff sounds uh, yeah, but, same. Very true. Yeah. Um, another like a blast from the past, like uh, an earlier like uh, you know trailblazer was uh, Bernard Herrmann. Um, like I, I feel like he he kind of started the whole thing that John Williams took over. I I feel like is the whole creating very strong, memorable themes uh, that that uh, really were just bombastic. Like he just really made movie music big and noticeable. And mm-hmm. uh, he did the Twilight Zone theme mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, he did Psycho, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Um, yeah, like he's he's got some crazy, and you know, like uh, North by Northwest, a lot of Hitchcock. Oh, movies. that's a good one. Yeah, no, no, it's just yeah. Vertigo to like, uh, and he's got some non, he did Citizen Kane, which wasn't as memorable, but still. It is interesting that push and pull between, and it's not only music, it's also just, you feel like in movies in general, some movies like want to have, some want to have the editing 
look invisible, like that you don't notice the cuts, and then some like really want to. Yeah. You know. So, so but, it's, I but guess it's music so is... noticeable with music, though, what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and I guess it's a matter, ultimately, like anything with movies, it's what the story needs. If if it needs invisible movies, uh, music or no music at all, like No Country for Old Men, um, then that's what it is. But I do feel like, uh, you know, you think about the Sergio Leone westerns, and or for that matter, Star Wars. Those mm-hmm. like group of movies are nothing without the music true like you you would look at those it is movies. A, a vital component yeah like like the yeah. search movies as as amazing as they are would be a snore without the music <laughs> sustaining yeah. you and star wars would just not be convincing or big work. enough without the music without that nope. like thing to carry to fly you in space like that that score I mean, you guys, uh, we've already talked about this in the episode where we were talking about um, heat and everything. And uh, it seems that I'm the odd man out with this. But um, even though I mostly agree that it's probably the better of the two movies, uh, I think the the score in Heat is almost forgettable. But Last of the Mohicans is like one of the greatest scores of all time. And I don't remember it at all. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, wow. I, uh, well, I, I, actually, I, I agree that actually I, I was thinking about uh, Heat as kind of an interesting uh, contrast uh, to Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans was uh, scored. I remember Randy Edelman. I don't Trevor remember Jones. the other. Uh, Trevor Jones. Yeah. Uh, I remember I remember Randy Edelman because he also did the score to Gettysburg, which ah. is uh, really um, epic and very well done. And I used to I, I I literally used to listen to the score from Gettysburg when I was doing my homework uh, <laughs> growing up. Uh, I I mean I I really love that music. Yeah, I mean Last of the Mohicans was um incredible yeah uh, <laughs> basically like quintessential good 90s movie music whereas he was uh, uh, so most of heat's music was composed by elliot goldenthal there are a couple of key moments in the musical score that were actually done by moby oh yeah uh, i remember someone saying that uh uh, I, I think I said that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, uh, <laughs> let's just assume you said it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, but uh, one of the pieces that was done by Moby was in the scene leading up to the coffee house sequence where. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Where the helicopters Alpe- are flying and stuff. Right, where Al Pacino is, uh, uh, you know, driving behind uh, uh, Robert De Niro and. Uh, you know, traveling down the freeway. And, uh, but the thing is that that music wasn't really composed by Moby. That was actually a Joy Division song, New Dawn Fades, which Moby modernized and instrumentalized for that sequence. Uh, but also the, uh, the music at the end of the movie uh, that led into the credits was uh, composed by Moby. The rest was done by Elliot Goldenthal. But, uh, yeah, like I said in the Heat episode, I know way too much about Heat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also good to mention um, uh, Alan Silvestri. 
uh, the, oh, the yeah. Back to the Future and Forrest Gump and uh, for sure and Predator, which is uh, also that's memorable. A yeah, see that's um, like that's like a good like that's what Hans Zimmer done the whole rhythmic thing, but I feel like that's more memorable. Oh anyway. well, I mean I agree with you that 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 the Predator theme is better than most of his. I mean, I, right up there with with Predator, I would throw uh, RoboCop and Terminator. Yeah. Oh yeah. Terminator. <laughs> that's true. Was that like in the eighties also the theme, or was it only well in the, the, the sequel? For, the no 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 it was in the, yeah yeah they both of them used the same theme music in the eighties one yeah who who uh, did the Terminator you know I don't know I'm gonna click on it right now let's see that is a memorable theme so it was RoboCop only you know a little more, RoboCop's a little on the nose mm-hmm. if you guys are you guys familiar with the uh, the um, the theme for Godzilla uh, which one. It's, like the the classic one, it's quite good. You mean the one with uh, Matthew Broderick? No, you, oh my god! How dare you? Um, anyway, to answer your question, Gil, uh, the guy's Brad name is Fidel. Brad Fidel. Fidel. I don't know what else he's. Oh, True Lies. Looks like mostly Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, I love that movie. It's um, such a guilty pleasure. <laughs> The um, I guess we should also bring up the scores of the '80s. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the whole like um, you know what what I guess started in a way with like Blade Runner, and I oh, guess yeah. that electronics guy, uh, Vangels or Vangels, I forget the the way you pronounce his name. Um, but but yeah, like a lot of people thought that that was like really, um, like a good score, which I I did not, uh, I wasn't crazy about it. But uh, it's not bad. It's just not great. Yeah, I I wonder if there's been some memorable. I feel like if anything, Clint Mansell actually does really well with the electronics music. Yeah, like he, he he actually does it better than they did in the eighties. Mm. Um, yeah, I I remember when we did our uh, Gallipoli episode. Uh, <laughs> there was a little bit of a discussion yeah. about you know it's a World <laughs> War One movie and still there there are like laser noises and everything in the score. <laughs> yeah, and, and I brought up the um, the whole Chariots of Fire, which is a oh, memorable yeah. memorable um, uh, score, but still it's very eighties. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, not eighties, but um, back to what um matt was saying with like the awesome 90s stuff you got uh you you mentioned this in an earlier podcast matt i was surprised you hadn't brought it up yet but um dragon heart oh yeah <laughs> bad movie good score <laughs> yeah that's that's a whole yeah. other episode that we said about bad movies with great scores yeah. oh yeah <laughs> we could pretty much do that probably <laughs> he uh uh who uh did the I... score for dragon heart I don't know. I just remember the music. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on that on that point, I mean, I think one of Hans Zimmer's best scores was Pearl Harbor, and that was a terrible movie. <laughs> it was good music. Actually, it's uh, Randy Edelman, so someone you know. You just oh. brought him up, no? The last yeah. of the Mohicans. And... Yeah, we did bring him up earlier. Yes. And Gettysburg, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense. He's quite yeah, the, that, uh, artist. Um, and, you guys uh, know. Um, John Powell, the composer. Not off the top of my head. I um I don't know everything he's done off the top of my head, but um 
I was first like I, I saw the How to Train Your Dragon movie, and I was like, oh, this has some pretty good music in it. And especially since I don't think that DreamWorks tends to have as good of music as like the Pixar movies and the Disney movies and stuff. But um, I looked him up, and I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then they made the sequel. How to Train Your Dragon 2, which was even better. Um, I'm pretty sure he went on to do a Star Wars movie too. He, did, he did the uh, solo. The, the solo one, yeah. But um, mm. he's he's very good. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's no, he's probably no Clint Mansell or something. But yeah. No, that's the thing. There's a lot of uh, good, um, I guess one that's pretty well known is uh, Alexander Duplat. Um, yeah. He's, he's oh, won a few Oscars. Um, the French um, composer um he he is kind of no, like it sounded the... german really no i think he's french okay that's when you said that i was just like what <laughs> yeah i was like I, <laughs> I did not get the sarcasm at all i was like no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but in any case yeah, yeah i think he's done a few uh uh wes anderson movies and stuff the french dispatch and others um yeah. shape of water he did yeah oh, he's did he? uh oh, yeah cool. he does like this very magical kind of like he's he's kind of like a toned down version of danny elfman i feel like oh. um so the magical without the darkness magical oh. music without the darkness um, did you mention i think you did already um Giannis tierson or something like that i don't know if i'm saying his name right uh, i don't think we brought him up Giannis no? tierson uh, he did like uh, yeah. Amelie, I think. Oh, and, uh, French um, guy. Yeah, he's another French guy. Yeah, he did a uh, more than this that one though too. I can't remember what else, but um, several of them I believe he did a, a, some good movies. You know, there was a, a guy who uh, did the uh, uh, a composer for the Theory of Everything. If I'm not mm. mistaken, he he passed away recently. Oh, um, like he was very young. If yeah, and I remember that score being fairly memorable. I wanted to see that movie. I didn't see it. Yeah, but it's uh, Man. it wasn't. It was a okay, okay movie. Not not amazing, but but yeah, Johannes Johansson. Johannes Johansson. He died at age forty-eight. Yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate. Like it's like exactly when he blew up. He did Arrival, Sicario. Like oh man. Few, yeah, like he just when he was like kind of like getting his career going. It's kind of the pr- prisoners. Yeah, not uh, but uh, but yeah, I guess composers. I do feel like it's no longer what it used to be. Uh, that's my sense. Like I, I feel like Denny Elfman, if anything, is kind of like the last big one that was just like just has like a slew of like memorable scores. And, and since then, something's happened. Johnny Greenwood, I really feel like is the only one that's a standout for me. Um, but it's not to say that his his scores are. Ex- fairly memorable like his there will be blood score is memorable and uh oh boy like my favorite modern score for sure is uh is phantom thread um oh, I, like i literally like, i listened to that music and i'm like is that like a classical composition because it's that good and then i look it up it's like no it's johnny greenwood hmm. he just wrote yeah. like a classical piece that sounds like it was from like the 16th century like it's amazing like it's incredible yeah, huh. mm-hmm. yeah, he's got the whole Jaws theme, and and there will be like dun 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 dun. The the funny thing is like 
I didn't mean to cut you off, Gil. No, no, no go ahead. Uh, since we brought up Danny Elfman uh, so much, and by uh, we, I mean you, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, with the new Batman movie, you know, Danny Elfman scored the Michael Keaton Batman movies. Oh, yeah. And then we had Hans Zimmer, and then this time we've got Michael Giacchino for the Batman. Vastly different approaches. I, I, I mean, my personal opinion is that Michael Giacchino beat, uh, like, blew Hans Zimmer out of the water, but I, 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 I don't know if, um, I don't really know how to compare him to the Danny Elfman scores, but uh, just in terms of Batman music. <laughs> The Danny Elfman was was the whole dark, mysterious, very memorable score. And then Hans Zimmer, especially The Dark Knight, he went sort of like psychotic breakdown music. You know, the whole yeah. the, the pitch, the, the high pitch, um, like uh, uh, feedback thing. Yeah. So I think it's just different approaches. But it definitely feels like to me what it, and maybe this will be like just to wrap up what I feel about Hans Zimmer is that in Interstellar, which is one of his best scores, Christopher Nolan had to trick him. <laughs> like he, he told them, hey, listen, I'm working on this movie, Top Secret. Uh, it's about a father, I don't know if he said son or daughter relationship, but he just said like, you know, it's like a personal small movie. Like write me a theme for it. And, and then he told him like, well, it's actually a science fiction and it's huge. So I want you to keep that theme, but make it bigger. Like, so the fact that you have to trick your composer in order for him to do better work is yeah. problematic. <laughs> Wait, uh, what, wh which movie was that for? Uh, for uh, Interstellar. Oh, wow. Like, I really feel like with, with Dark, Dark Knight, which I really feel like that's a Nolan thing. He, he brought a lot of the idea for the music that, that, sure. that, that, like, that he built on, that Hans Zimmer built on, because he really had a very specific thing for the Dark Knight. That's why it's such a singular vision. And and then he did something similar with Interstellar, where he kind of like tricked him to get better work out of him. Not the, it's a, the job of a director, but but it's just to say that like Hans Zimmer is just a a factory of music. He just like oh, yeah. okay, like this is like thump 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 thump, you know, like but but to really squeeze out good stuff out of him, yeah, like Nolan had to cajole him i don't know it's, it's just I, not a mark of a great composer it's a, it's a mark of a good composer but that's in my I, I don't i don't want to sound overly critical but um what you're saying is very close to some things that some composer friends of mine have said about him as well yeah and and obviously this is all just we're, we're just talking shit and the guy is insanely talented and he deserves everything <laughs> that like he you know he's uh yeah i i, I mean uh, i can't even read music so yeah exactly uh, me neither. But, but just to say as far as like from our like armchair like point of view <laughs> and just like at looking at the overview i i can't put him in the pantheon of the john williams the in your no. or not even clint mansell even though mansell hasn't he's kind of dipped a bit i haven't seen it like i would actually take johnny greenwood right now as the as the new modern master of like you know cinematic scores i think he he was the only good thing in the power of the dog is a score the score was <laughs> exceptional no it wasn't a bad movie but but he elevated that movie with the music it, 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 it was kind of a bad movie but, yeah uh, uh but in any case it's it's 
it does feel like there's a bit of a drought. Like, I don't know if maybe it's just like it's the, the phase that we are with music right now. It, there's not a lot of adventurous stuff out there. And there's pretty no. adventurous movies. But uh, sometimes music is an afterthought. It's also, I guess, the way that they do it, too, about like how the composer is always brought in way, way late in the process. Yeah. Um, you know, that whole thing. And apparently Johnny Greenwood sometimes composes scores, I think, for Spencer. He composed scores for Pablo Loren and he sent it to him so he can play it in the uh, while they're shooting. You know, th- that's what Sergio Leone did with with yeah. Inio. Like that's the, that's like that's the type of relationship that you need to have with the director. And then you really create something unique and, and very not just like let me find something that matches this image, which is what music has become for the most part. Like late, late, late in the process. Yeah. It's funny you brought that up. I, I I think I told you guys about this already, probably. But um, there's this there's this one um anime movie that's really good, and they the uh director like teamed up with a you know with a band kind of like like what you were talking about before to make the music for it, and he wanted them to be so involved that he got them in, you know to start making music for it really early on just based off of concepts and stories and some of the script and stuff like that well before they were uh, into production and they it took them a while but they had a number of songs made for the movie and when uh, the story is that when the guy um, heard the songs that they had written he he thought it was so good and so appropriate for what he was doing that he actually went back and started making changes to the movie to fit it to the songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that's a good point about the, I think Kubrick also uh, to some degree or another, like did some stuff like that as well. Yeah. I mean, Terrence Malick, uh, Mm. I I mean, specifically with, um, uh, the new world, he already had, uh, a finished score before he went into editing. And he just cut it to the music. Wow. I wonder if that's what happened with Interstellar, too, because the whole thing that Nolan spoke to Hans Zimmer, like if he got the yeah. themes early on and then they went into production. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. But it's not to say there's no standout, like, um, music here and there, but it's it's no longer what it used to be, where, where it was just really, really memorable. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that there's a, a an issue now where the biggest adventure movies, well, either they're Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in which basically the score has already been set in place like 10 years ago. You're, you're, you know, like there, there's already been something set. And you're just working off of that. Even if you bring in a new composer, hey, we set up these specific moments, these specific tunes, these specific riffs, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, just go with those. Just follow the formula. Just like the cinematographers need to follow the formula. Just like everybody else needs to follow the formula in order to maintain continuity. The other big like you know in quote-unquote adventure movies say even like you know and actually it was is funny that uh there was an article that came out uh you know mentioning that the the batman has become the most successful 
DC extended universe movie. And I, the first thing that I thought is, can you really argue that this is a DC EU movie? It's absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's whoever a, wrote it, that doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. I, I mean, like, <laughs> I think it's it was just, the, the, I think it's the, uh, the studios are trying to write that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Uh, and the trend in that direction has, has been for the last several years to go really dark and gritty and grim and rough. And so you don't get themes like Jurassic park where you're, you know, it, there's like this wondrous theme to the music and you know, like, you know, Oh, we're exploring this, wondrous new civilization or this brilliant new world we're actually getting into the grit and the grime and the horror of what humanity can be and it's just so rare to actually have a movie nowadays that's a standalone uh that isn't a franchise movie that is just a standalone okay we are going to go on an adventure we are going to go on an adventure and it is just going to be a movie and you're going to sit in the movie theater for two and a half hours and it's just going to be exploration and adventure and fun. I, it is just so rare nowadays that those movies even exist. Yep. Well, I feel like the Marvel movies are in some sense are that, but yeah, they're very generic and very set and, and very episodic. Yeah, that I think there's some of them, but we're just not seeing them. You know, there's like that movie that just came out, Uncharted, and uh, a few other ones that are coming out, like adventure movies. But it's just, it's not for us. Like, well, I don't know. Um, but and they make a lot of money. These movies, like I think Uncharted made a lot of money because of Tom Holland. Um, well, it's based I, off of an incredibly popular video, video game. game. Yeah, yeah. No, um, one uh, thing I, I also. Mean, yeah, maybe I'll try to see it this week and see if there's any good music in it. Uh, <laughs> I can listen to the theme online. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do want to say um, whether I don't know this is if it's going to post before or after our prior episode about uh, where we mentioned Spielberg and uh, Schindler's List. Um, mm-hmm. There's one thing to note about John Williams because like maybe some people would be critical of him because he's all themes and all bombastic and stuff. But the best thing about <laughs> Schindler's List is the music. The music is heartbreaking. Like, it's uh, there's like a story about like it's like Perlman, like the famous uh, uh, violinist, uh, when he asked him to perform it for the recording, he he got the music sheet and he's like, he's like, John, how did you come up with this? <laughs> like, are you, are you like a, a quarter Jew <laughs> or something? Like, uh-huh. it was just so Jewish, so like authentic, so heartbreaking. And he said, and he was like telling him, like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of got my start like being like a, a, a trainee like composer on um, Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> so I kind of cut my teeth on that. So like I, I got my exposure to Jewish music. So it's like, you know, that's that's where it came from that experience. So so as much as people say that like John Williams is like the Star Wars and the, you know, the Superman scores and all those big scores, you know, uh, Jurassic Park. Jaws, like that score is not bombastic and it's just beautifully tragic and heartbreaking. And uh, so you got to give him props. He's not just a, a noisy composer. He, he's he got a lot of heart. 
for sure. I mean, he does, yeah, even in the big scores, but but like here, it's just he really showed a depth that's like, yeah. So he he is special, like just as people make him out to be. Yeah. Yeah. Although he kind of ripped off Stravinsky, like you know when he did the Star Wars score stuff, but <laughs> but it's okay. Everybody steals from everybody, and that's partially because of George Lucas's fault because he. Stravinsky was the temp music for Star Wars, and then once he heard it, it was like, oh, shit, this is too perfect. I just need to emulate this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember if it was Picasso or uh, uh, somebody else who said um, that good artists borrow, great artists, uh, great artists steal. <laughs> yeah, uh, but kind of screwed up that quote there, but. But, I think yeah. we said it once before, so <laughs> uh, yeah. no. not that everybody <laughs> listens to all these episodes, but uh, yeah. Um, I find it interesting when, when genres of music, or, I mean, sorry, genres of movies or like subgenres of movies, either way, tend to like all have, um, like certain types of music. You know, like obviously, like you kind of get. A lot of the same sort of stuff in like various noir films and and um obviously not all that much interesting music in like murder thrillers and stuff like that and various things like that but like i just find it interesting like when a, a really good movie will come out like like if you think about it like there aren't that many you could probably count on your fingers how many great pirate movies have been made Mm-hmm. you know and yet like when that pirates of the caribbean movie came out like you listen to that score and it's like you instantly think about like pirates you're like oh my gosh like it's like ever like all the other five <laughs> or six whatever great pirate movies that there's been you know it's like it just feels right you know it's just like you're like wow geez it's like feels like a pirate movie like pirate score pirate music Obviously, westerns, they all kind of have like a thing. That's true. Yeah, westerns for sure had a thing until the whole spaghetti western kind of blew it out of the water. Yeah, but that's uh, that's what it's so great when somebody when somebody does a really great job breaking the mold, of course. But, um, but yeah, yeah, and I guess, uh, that was uh, Claus Badlet who did what Badelt, um, who did uh, the score for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean's. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just uh, remember like thinking, like, "Wow, man, it's great." It's like Cutthroat Island, or um, have you guys ever seen the Seahawk? No, no. It's uh, it's really good. It's a you know old uh, Errol Flynn movie after oh. um, Captain Blood, but uh, I think it was after Adventures of Robin Hood, also. But anyway, it's a really good movie, but um, has a fantastic score. It's like just so adventurous and spectacular. I, I recall the uh, the Prince of Thieves having a pretty good oh, score. Oh yeah, that one's good too. And it has that um that song by um uh Brian Adams. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah I, just, I was trying to think of, like artists that were big in the nineties. <laughs> well, for some reason, when when I when I said it all that my mind went to was a different movie that he did the song for was the uh the three musketeers one three musketeers. that song was sing and, and rod stewart like rod stewart oh was it rod stewart i think so yeah yeah anyway 
yeah, like I, I thought I started thinking about that one, and I was like remembering all the other names, and, I, and then you said it, and I was like, yeah, Peter Gabriel. Or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Brian Adams. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. One thing I should mention because uh, we always shortchange comedies uh, is um, uh, the Mel Brooks movies. There's a guy who uh, who wrote the music for um, the great, great music for Young Frankenstein. And mm-hmm. Spaceballs and, and most of the, the movies, like, there's some, like, like comedy is not known for having memorable, like, theme. But yeah. if you listen to that, uh, John Morris, yeah, yeah. If you listen to the score of, like, Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it, it's like, like, it's 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 almost like, uh, like, yeah, Schindler's List good. Like, it's just a really good score. Um mm. Like it's like the, the, did, the whole uh, the theme the where he on the violin like you know, when he like calls the monster and stuff i, I don't oh, know if yeah, he, yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah na, 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 uh-huh. na, na. like a very like you know transylvania type of music it's like yeah. you know it's it's not like known that like composers for comedies like have any standout scores and also spaceball score is pretty yeah. memorable when, and, when you said he did all the mel brooks movies the first thing i thought of was like did he do that really cool like uh thing where they're trying to sound in high anxiety where they're trying to sound like a like kind of a you know north by northwest kind of thing yeah yeah I and think... he, he was he did do high anxiety did <laughs> I he just looked it up right now yeah yeah, yeah, no, high anxiety with some good music stuff. Yeah, just yeah. for that alone, it's worth. Uh, oh, they, they, they're just trying so hard to, to get that point across of like what kind of movie it's they're doing. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, History of the World also uh, part one has like uh, some good music there, even though the the movie is so so. Um, so yeah, he definitely he is kind of like his John Williams in a way. Like he he did kind of like elevate his movies to some degree because he he just kind of had this. Uh, like a little of extra oomph to it because Mel Brooks generally he was always big on music so it makes sense that it would yeah. play a big part of his movies um, yeah no, it's um, not a lot of comedy composers that are standouts so. no 